Mac Power Users, Episode 158, iOS 7, Apps and Gems. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside with David Sparks. Hey, David. Hey, Katie Floyd. That Katie Floyd thing is sticking. Oh, is it? Yes. I had. That's my plan. Yeah. That's my plan. Yeah. So this is a show that we've been wanting to do for a couple of weeks ever since iOS 7 came out. And then we kind of went back and forth of, do we do it immediately after iOS 7 comes out or do we wait a little bit? And um, so I think hopefully we, we've got the timing right. So we want to talk a little bit about what we really like about iOS 7, but but specifically some of the of our favorite apps that have been redesigned for iOS 7. Because there have been a ton of great app redesigns with iOS 7. Well, I, I guess, you know, a subtitle for the show would be Love Letter to iOS 7. And, and there's some things we like about the new operating system and some things we like about some of the apps, old apps in general that have been redesigned. But like you said, I thought it made more sense to wait to see what after a few weeks we were really, you know, catching on to as opposed to things that just look new and shiny that first day. Yeah. But, but, but wasn't that an exciting energy the first day iOS 7 launched it? It yeah. really, re- it reminded me of the launch of the iPhone 3G, the day they put the new iPhone out and they released the app store. And it was like, this- that that was a bad day. That was that. And they released mobile me that day, didn't they? Yeah. Well, but I forgot all the bad parts. I just remember that there was all these great new apps suddenly available and we could download them and have them. And it felt really great because it added so much functionality to our phones. And uh, an iOS 7 launch day, more than any in the intervening years, felt like that to me. Like all of a sudden, all these apps I loved were coming out with these really great updates. So I, I really enjoyed that day and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Now I did, I did hear two horror stories of, of people that I know, one directly that became my problem, of people having their phones bricked by iOS 7 and ultimately having to restore. But I, I think those were really the exception, not the rule. Um, but it really just goes to how important it is to to back up these devices before you do any major updates. I mean, we've become so accustomed to how easy it is. Just And that's how I did it with the automatic update over the air because I kept refreshing and plugging my iPhone into iTunes on my computer and I brought my, my laptop into work that day so that I could do it immediately at 1 o'clock when it came out. Um, but it was it was available significantly faster via over the year updates, so that's how I did it. You weren't messing around. You were going to do like, it at work. Come on, come well, yeah. But but I I was prepared. I had my Mac there. I had my full backup. I had my iCloud backup that I topped up minutes before. So I was I was ready to go. Katie Floyd rolls with at least five backups at any one time. At least I was I was ready. Did Did you have it like downloaded to your chip in your brain too? Uh, why well, downloaded to the chip on my on my keychain? All right. So. Hey. Um. So overall, we're going to talk about apps and things. But what did it do to your home screen, the iOS seven? You know, initially nothing because I just installed it over. But then I would say after the first day or two of using iOS seven, I rearranged my home screen quite a bit. I um, I got rid of a couple of apps that I just that had been on my home screen for years and that I either wasn't using or just hadn't been updated long enough. Um, I, I gotta say the, uh, CalcBot, TweetBot and PasteBot all went. They, those were, those were gone. Bot, bot, bot Armageddon on the Katie Floyd home screen. Yeah. You know, I love their apps, but they just, you know, heck, PasteBot hasn't been updated in years. I mean, post both PasteBot and CalcBot 
we're still not even optimized for an iPhone five screen. I mean, come on. And, um, you know, calc, you know, PaySpot I just hadn't been using for a while. Uh, CalcBot fell victim to the fact that there's now a calculator that's directly accessible from control center. Yeah. I dropped my calculator from my home screen cause it's one swipe and I've got a calculator. That's good. What about the camera? Cause you can do the same thing. You can get the camera from one swipe. Did you get rid of your camera? I haven't yet. Uh, just because I'm so used to my camera being over there in the in the upper right, but I I, I think that the next time because I'm not really aching for a really cool app to be on my home screen. I'm you know I, I haven't found something that I need to make a spot for, but I think that could be the next spot that I make. Yeah, I I couldn't get rid of the camera because like you, I have it kind of muscle memory, and even just taking the time to swipe and then tap again. When I when my kids are doing something goofy, I want to get to that camera really fast. So yeah, not sure I'm going to ever take it off. Right. Um, and, and let's and you you said you switched over your tweet tweet clients as well. I did. I I switched over from Tweetbot to Twitterific, and I I would still say that that's a um that is a work in progress. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. So let's that's a teaser. Yeah, that's what we call that in the business. The teaser. Yeah. Are we in the business now? I don't. I'm not really sure. I think we are. Okay. All right. Well, that's a teaser. Yeah. But um yeah. So what about you? How is your how is your home screen changed? Um a little. Not as much as you. I I have an experiment going on with Twitterific as well, but uh that's a teaser as they say. Uh Reader is back. I don't think we even put that in the outline. Yeah, it's in the outline. It's in the outline. Oh, I got oops. it. That's another teaser. That's probably cuz I'm talking about it not you. Okay, you so can, read, you reader's in. back. Reader's back on my home screen because I was using. I was trying to use it in the old version. wasn't really very good for Feed Wrangler. It didn't have the um, you know, the custom groups, so I had to use the Feed Wrangler app. But now, now that Reader is back in the fold, it's back on my home screen, and um, it it didn't change a whole lot other than that. I did take the calculator off. What What did you replace those things with? I'm not even sure at this point. You know, it's always a little bit in motion. Right now, I have two Twitter clients on my home screen because oh my goodness, that's just crazy. Oh, you know, you know what else is? I'm really getting into this dispatch email app. Mm-hmm. I really like it for my inbox, but that's probably another discussion for another day. But so now I have two email clients on my home screen too. Right. That's that's pretty anal, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that that kind of moves me to my other question is, in maybe it was the question that we teased, or maybe you don't want to get there yet, but. Have 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 you replaced any of your old apps with new apps specifically because newer apps have moved to iOS seven and maybe the older apps haven't? Why don't we just talk about Twitter right now? Twitterific. Okay. All right, so let's talk about it. So it's no longer a teaser. Okay, so um, Tweetbot. I opened it up and it had the old keyboard on it, and that mm-hmm. to me felt really dated immediately. Now, as we record this, they've already come out with an update and they have their iOS seven version out, which is frankly pretty good. So. That's no longer the case as you listen to this. They already have the new keyboard. But I thought, you know, this is an excuse. And I'm a big fan of Craig Hockenberry's. And, you know, Craig was on our show. And I've always kind of had a warm spot for Twitterific. And I'm like, let's give Twitterific a try. I mean, they have the background downloading. I mean, you were going to talk about it. So why don't you run down some of the features they've added to Twitterific for iOS 7? Yeah. Twitterific has just gotten a nice update for iOS 7. It's it's a It's a clean interface. I I've kind of have always liked the unified timeline, which has kind of been a landmark feature of Twitterific, but it's, you know, it's just a, a personal preference. It's just, it really has a very clean iOS seven 
look and feel. So just straight UI design. I, I prefer Twitterific to Tweetbot. Um, but I'll tell you, feature for feature comparison, I'm missing a lot of Tweetbot's features. Now, this is a really interesting challenge. So you've got one app that has the features that you love and one app that has the look that you love. And then you're trying to decide which one you're going to stick with. Right. I, I mean, I'm really missing some of the mute features in Tweetbot because Twitterific has this muffle that kind of works like a mute, but you know, it, it doesn't have the same functionality as it does in Tweetbot. Like in Tweetbot, you can say, well, mute this person for an hour or mute this person for a day, which is you know great when someone goes off on a tirade about a sports event or something like that. You can just be like, okay, well, you're kind of in the penalty box for an hour. So I just don't want to hear any of that. Yeah. Um, or you can, and, and Twitterific has some of that. You can, what they call muffle, meaning you see that that person has tweeted, but you don't necessarily see what they've tweeted so you can interact with it if you if you want to. So it still kind of takes some space on your home screen, but there's there's really no way to customize that. You can't say muffle this person for a day or, you know, muffle oh, retweets. There are a couple of people who I like hearing what they have to say, but I don't necessarily they're they're a little too heavy with the retweets, so I don't necessarily want to see all their retweets. Um and I can't find that that's an easy feature in Tweetbot, but not necessarily in Twitterific. So uh, and I don't know, I don't expect those features to come to Tweetbot anytime soon, or excuse me, to Twitterific anytime soon, because they just released their their update. Yeah. Tweetbot does a really good job. Like, during election season, those filters are awesome. You can just turn people off for like a month. Yeah. Um, Twitterific doesn't have those. It looks really nice. So I, I had the same experiment as you. I really like the way Twitterific looks on iOS 7. I'm not a fan of the Twitterific Mac app. And that was one of the problems I had is, um, you know, I know that there's ways to sync your, your read status for tweets, but I've been having troubles getting it to work consistently, you know, where I wanted to use Tweetbot on the Mac and Twitterific on the iPad and iPhone. And at this point, uh, but the real deal killer for me was the filters because I've, I've got so good at using those. Like you, I mean, there's certain subjects that come up and I just mute people. And there are people who I like and I don't want to unfollow them. I just don't want to hear about what they're excited about right now. And like Tweetbot Congress. does a really... Yeah, well, I mean, that's one subject. Yeah. Um, but the uh, but Tweetbot does a really good job of sharing that data across the various platforms. And I'm pretty heavily invested in Tweetbot. You know, I've bought all the apps. And I, I so I used Twitterific for a few days and ultimately I went back to Tweetbot. I mean, I haven't removed Twitterific from my home screen yet, but it's going to be going, I'm pretty sure, by the yeah. time the show goes up. Yeah. I'm, so still, a, I'm still using Twitterific for now. We'll see. It was but a fun I'm, experiment. I'm anxiously awaiting the Tweetbot update. Well, it's, it's out. Really? It's, it's out. It's out. It's right now. You can, mm. you can look at it right now. It's not super different. I mean, they still kind of stuck with their design aesthetic, which they're entitled to do. The new icon is a little simpler, but when you go to type, you know, tap a tweet out. Oh, you know what? I don't, I can't say that yet. I didn't think you could For, forget. I said anything. Mm-hmm. Moving by the on. time this, sh- by the time the show comes out, it'll probably be out. Yeah. I'm thinking on, uh, no, it's not out. All right. Okay. Um, well, it's, it is public knowledge that they're working on an update. I mean, Paul's yeah. been, been vocal about that on Twitter. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, so let's move on. Yeah. Yeah, you want to take a break before you get yourself into more trouble? 
It's too late. I'm already in trouble. <laughs> okay. Hey, let's talk about our sponsor, Daisy Disc, though, because I, I love Daisy Disc. First, you know, my wife's name's Daisy, so how can you not like an app that has your wife's name in it? I guess depending on your relationship with your wife. But even more importantly, they have version three out now. Daisy Disc number three has shipped, and it's a really great app. Uh, they made some nice improvements. Uh, they've got a new design and application icon, and it's really cool the way, like when you're scanning, it'll it'll display the scan status right in your dock on the icon. I really like that. It fully supports retina displays, which makes me very happy. Um, it's a 64-bit only engine now, so you've got to have 10.7 or better to use it, but it's really lickety split as a result. Um, it does. Oh, this is a really cool trick. It can folder rescan without having to rescan the whole disc. You know how before if oh, yeah. you started making changes and you wanted to do a rescan, it wouldn't, you know, you had to go through the whole process again. Not anymore. You just pick the folder, hit rescan, and it'll go. Um, it can inspect the contents of file bundles. It's updated the list of system files that should not be deleted. So if you drag something into the trash in Daisy Disk, it'll uh, tell you, hey, man, you don't really want to do that. Um, it uses Notification Center now. They, they, it's just a really nice update. You can tell they've been working on it for some time, and it looks great. And you get all this for just $10. And so the problem Daisy Disk solves is, we have these computers now with SSDs in them, and space is always at a premium. You know, we can't afford the 500 or 700 gigabyte drives that require you to mortgage your house to buy. So you need a way to monitor this stuff. And for $10, Daisy Disk does a beautiful job of just that. It monitors your drive. It, it'll scan it. It'll show you with these interesting concentric circles where your data is, and it allows you to manage and delete that data right from within the application it's a great app. You can get it in the Mac App Store, or you can get it directly from daisydiscapp.com if you want to buy it straight from the developer, and that gets you around some of the sandboxing stuff. But it's not quite as convenient if you've got multiple Macs and you want to use the Mac App Store. Either version, you're going to be just great. I use the Mac App Store version. What about you, Katie? Yep, I use the Mac App Store version, yeah, too. Yeah, so I, I love it. And it, it's an app I use frequently because I've got an SSD in my computer and I need to make sure that I don't run out of space or Katie Floyd will get angry at me. So, yeah, because he says, oh, wait, 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 I, can't, I can't record the podcast. Hang on. Yeah, I got to yeah. go delete something. That's happened. And then Katie starts like wagging her finger at me. So I'll just go delete all my family video just so she doesn't get angry. Yeah. Because nobody wants that to happen. And, and it's Daisy Disk. So go check it out. Let them know you heard about it from us. And thank you, Daisy Disk, for supporting the Mac Power users. Yeah, I've actually been waiting for a Daisy Disk ad spot because I got to tell you something really cool that I've, I've discovered. What? So, so this summer, I've been um, watching some shows that I've been, uh, you know, just piled up on my TiVo that I don't watch during the, the regular year. Yeah. And one of those shows is a, a show called Person of Interest. It's about this, you know, nerd who created this supercomputer that... Um, gives them numbers about something that you know. It's this all-seeing computer that that feeds them information. I don't is know. That the, is that the bug-eyed eye from the Lost? guy from Lost? Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. in it, and then he's got this sidekick who runs around shooting people. Okay. So I'm not going to spoil anything, I promise. But one of the things that happened at the end of the last season, which I'm just now catching up on, is the the supercomputer got infected with a virus, and they knew that it was getting infected with a virus, and they were like counting down to this, you know, zero day when this virus was was going to unleash. And so on the big bug eye lost guys computer screen, um, he he had like this he had this it was Daisy Disk, David. He had this graphical representation up on his screen of like what is the progress of the virus. 
And it's it, it flashed only a couple of times up on the screen because they were just, you know, showing like a really wacky, nerdy computer screen with a bunch of stuff on it. Yeah. But it was Daisy Disk. Did you freeze it? I, mean, I did. I paused it on the TiVo and I was like, oh, my goodness, that's Daisy Disk. You're like, boy, he has a lot of data in his iTunes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, that's not a virus. That's Daisy Disk. <laughs> that's great. Well, that, that tells you how great the interface is that, you know, TV is using it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's, it's a great app. Go check it out. I, I'm really happy with it. Um, there's a lot of different apps out there that, that try to help you manage space, but nobody does it with the panache that Daisy Disk does. And, and they've supported the podcast for several years now. So everybody go, go check it out. Yeah. All right. Back to the show. Okay. So I think that the first one we've got here on you is Evernote. And that is one of the best examples of iOS 7. Uh, applications. Yeah, Ever, Evernote got a, a big redesign, and they launched their redesign in time for iOS seven, which was which was great. And then they had this Evernote conference um, out in San Francisco, which I swear one day I'm going to go to because it sounds like the coolest thing. I know our friend Gene got to go over to it, so hi Gene. And um, but so Evernote redesigned their app, and I'm really liking the new design because. It gives you quick access to like your last used notes or the note that you last searched for, because how many times do you go into Evernote and you just want to see, okay, what was the last thing that I made or the last thing that I searched for? So right now, I probably shouldn't tell you this. My most recent note in Evernote was chocolate chip cookies. Okay. It it was my chocolate chip cookie recipe because I was making those this, this weekend. And you know, chances are I was at the store and I had to look it up and I had to get the ingredients. And then of course it was the last app I used or the last note that I used because I was at home and I had to get the actual recipe. And then same thing, it will show you, you know, I've got 38 notebooks in Evernote, but it shows you the most recently used ones and your most recently used tags. So those are all very cool. But at the very bottom of the Evernote screen, it gives you kind of quick access to create notes so if you want to create a note from the camera or if you want to create a note from something in your camera roll, you know, those are just one tap buttons to create a note. Or if you want to create a new list note or a new text note, boom, click the button, done. I've always felt that, you know, the Evernote app was kind of wonky. And at the beginning, it was a performance issue back in the old days, but they, they've long overcome that. But the problem I always felt like was that they have so many different ways to organize your data that there's not a simple way to display it in an iOS app. You know, you can use tags, you can use notebooks. There's, there's all these different ways you can go about it. So as a result, the interface always comes out really jumbled and full of stuff. And this, I mean, what they did here is I, I wish I had thought of it because it's just a really great way to find data, no matter how you use Evernote. And uh, I'm really impressed with what they've done. Evernote really is growing on me, Katie. Good, good. And we then sh- we, we should do another ahead. show on Evernote. Yeah, it's on, we're it's on our list. It's on yeah. our list. Uh, and, and our friend Brett Kelly just released uh, version four or uh, fourth edition of Evernote Essentials, right. including a version that went out in the iBookstore. So, yeah. And we should mention that the Evernote people launched some really cool stuff at this new Evernote cons- uh, conf- concert conference. Um, including Seems the ability, kind of like a concert though, really, doesn't does. it? Uh, including the ability to take snaps of post-it notes. I'm not a huge post-it note user. I, I certainly use them, but I know a lot of people who are just crazy about their post-it notes. Oh, I'm, um, I'm so anti-post-it note. I can't even tell you. Okay. But a lot of people like post-it notes yeah. and um, they also introduce partnerships to put these items in what they call the Evernote market. So have you seen this new jot script pen that's partnered with by Evernote? No. 
I've it is it is the finest point, I believe, pen that you can buy for an iPad or an iOS device. It's uh one point nine um I don't know, tiny. Millimeters, is that the correct? Is it a regular size pen though? I mean it fits in your hand or is it one of those really skinny little things? No, it's a it's a it's a pen like a like a comfortable pen like you would pick up. Yeah. I mean it looks like a pen. I mean it's not teeny tiny, but Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's new. It's called the um, uh, the Adonant Jot Script for, for Evernote, style Evernote edition. Yeah, they make some great stuff. I use their, was it Jot Not or Jot Note? Right. And it uses a combination of, of um, you know, Bluetooth as well as the capacitive touch to, to do this. Re- and that's what I've always wanted is a really fine print pen. Yeah. And so that's that's kind of what this is. So 75 I, bucks. Yeah. I I ordered one of these. It's All designed right. to work with Evernote. But now yeah. that you know, they've got an Evernote edition scan snap and they've got um kind of this really cool wallet that I know it's not really meant to be a ladies wallet, but I like small wallets, so I may I may check that out. But anyway, an they got a bunch wallet. of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. What does an Evernote wallet do? It's, oh, it's the cool, it's kind of cool in that it's a really teeny tiny wallet that all your stuff fits in, so you don't have a big old wallet that you have to carry around. You should check. I mean, it, I, I think it, I've talked about that once on the show. Yeah. I mean, the My idea, wallet. the idea is, you know, for, for like-minded people who like Evernote are kind of our like-minded people. And what are the types of things that they like? They like clever products that have, you know, good form and good functionality to them. So they've, they've teamed up with some makers of products to bring Evernote editions of those products. I got my wallet from Saddleback Leather. It's like a piece of leather folded in half. It holds like three credit cards or combination credit card, driver's license, et cetera, and a, and a couple of 20s. That's it, yeah. baby. Yeah. Well, anyway, look, check out the little Evernote edition wallet. It's, it's pretty small. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Nice. Yeah. Okay, the, we the, really went off the rails, though. Let's get back on talking about iOS 7 apps. Okay. Well, so that Ever, was Ever, Evernote is a really nice upgrade. If, if you have played with Evernote in the past and, and gave up on it because of the, you know, the nature of the iOS app didn't please you. It's time to go back and look at that again. Yeah. Um, here's, here's one I've got. It's drafts got a nice update and drafts is the app that, you know, we've talked about. We did partially a whole show on it when we did the, the iOS automation show. I still use the heck out of drafts. Uh, it's iOS seven only now. Yeah. That was, that was an interesting move for him. Well, you know, if you look at the numbers, it's not that risky. Just about everybody upgrades. Uh, the only people he lost are the i iPad One owners. I mean, I think the older iPhone owners aren't going to be looking at something like drafts anyway. Right. And and iOS seven has some nice features. So it's got uh, a couple things. It can trigger empty actions, like if you want to create a, a task in OmniFocus before you had to have text in the screen or it would throw up an error. Now you can set up a um, an empty action, so you just touch the button, it jumps to the application and does it for you. In a lot of ways, it it replaces Launch Center Pro in that way. Yeah, Launch, fact, I had, I Launch Center Pro has moved off of my home screen. Part, yeah, you said, partly because you, of this. Oh, is it because of the drafts feature? Partly because of it, because that's kind of what I the types of things that I would use it for stuff that I can now trigger directly out of drafts. Yeah, and they now if you tap and hold the plus button, you know, it usually gives you a new object. Now it gives you some options if you tap and hold it where you can, like, use the contents of your clipboard or do some other cool tricks. It's not a super 
different looking app. I mean, it was always very minimal to begin with, but it's even more so now. And, uh, and like the, uh, the extra row on the keyboard looks a lot better. In fact, the keyboards all look a lot better for people who are making custom keyboards. I believe that was part of the development kit with iOS seven that gave uh, developers more control for that. Yeah, Drash looks great, very very clean, and I think I don't I don't know whether they made a lot of changes specifically for iOS seven or it was just the the type of app that Drafts is suits itself well to the standard iOS seven UI. Yeah, yeah, couldn't go either way. Well, another app keeping in the Evernote family that got a total redesign for iOS seven is Skitch, and that's an app that's kind of gone back and forth. That you know it was a you know especially the mac version had some functionality lost some functionality got bought by evernote and went back and forth but sketch 3 for ios is also ios 7 only which i think you're seeing more and more developers making that choice because some of the features built into ios 7 um and as you mentioned so many people upgrade so quickly that it's kind of becoming a non issue but the thing about sketch is it is now really easy to create a note you can um, open up Sketch and it will prompt you with the camera so you can go ahead and take a picture or it prompts you with the last couple of items off of your photo roll so you can pull up something that's in your in your photo roll. And it's just to immediately start, get something on your screen, uh, whether it's a screenshot that you just took or whether it's something that you're taking with your camera app, and then immediately start annotating it. And it's just, you know, their, their kind of motto is take it, annotate it, and share it. And that's, it's very simplified and that's that's what it does now but yet it still has all the features except rotate doesn't have a rotate button that make you angry it does make me angry because sometimes what i'm marking up in sketch is is like a because sketch is what evernote uses kind of for its its image editor and sometimes what i'm trying to mark up and you know i just want to rotate something (sighs) see look out (laughs) yeah mess with the bull you get the horns yeah um, it, you know, drafts and sketch, both of those apps are apps that cut out just a couple steps at the beginning of a workflow. And the more I think about it, that is a feature that is really beneficial and that as users, we really love because, you know, opening every little task on iOS takes a little bit more time than on a Mac. I mean, you can't just fire off a keyboard shortcut and make magic happen. You have to t- tap or drag or do something. So when these developers figure a way to even just cut out one or two steps from a workflow, it is really uh, something that we're willing to pay for, in my opinion. Okay, uh, I've got another one, Instacast. And that one did get quite a bit of redesign for iOS 7. And it's my podcatcher of choice. And, and Katie's a Downcast user, so, so we're going to hear from her next on that. But uh, as to Instacast, I really like um, the way they adopted iOS 7. And, and I've gone back and forth with Instacast over the years. I liked it, then I stopped using it, and now I'm back with it again. One of the things I thought they did is they used that sidebar feature. You know, that one of the there's a gesture in iOS seven now where you can flick from the side of the screen and that can send you back or it can do a variety of things. And one of them in this case is it can give you a sidebar and it allows them to get all the clutter out of the interface. They put all that stuff over in the sidebar, which you can flip over to when you need, but generally you don't need to see the settings icon and those other things. Now they're off the screen. And I really like that. Um, they've got background download, which I think is huge for a podcatcher. So I turn it on and it's already got the most recent episode of Mac power users downloaded and ready to go. And it's got, Oh, here's a cool trick. It matches the color of the control color matches the podcast artwork. 
Have you? You haven't played with it, have you? No, I'm a downcast user, but I've I've heard about this feature because Marco was talking about debating whether or not he was going to use that in Overcast. Yeah, so and that's a whole other discussion. Marco Arment, who is a friend of our show, is uh, coming out with his own podcatcher, which will be eager to see. But I think it's a really nice little touch. I mean, it just it just brings the whole thing together. So it'll pull a color out of the podcast artwork for the controls. I mean, why not? Um, what really brings me to Instacast and which is going to make uh, Marco's new app a hard sell for me is that Instacast has a Mac app and I spend a lot of time every day sitting at a Mac, some of which is time that I can have a podcast playing in the background and it won't slow me down. And so I really like the ability to open the Instacast app on the Mac and listen to, you know, half of a show and then jump in the car and listen to the rest of it on the way home. And that is something that I use all the time. Um, another thing is the icon is no longer confusingly similar to the music app. I mean, they used to be the same color and, you know, more or less the same shape. So when I would, and I'd always keep understandably audio related stuff next to itself on the, um, on the home screen. So my, I'd hit the music or the Instacast app mistakenly because they were so similar. Well, now the music app is red, so it's not hard. Silly, huh? Hmm. All right, so Downcast is uh, has gotten a little bit of a redesign with iOS 7. It's just kind of been flattened a bit and cleaned up a bit. They they opted not to go with what Instacast did and, and adopt the color of the podcast that's being played. And I don't know whether that was a good choice or not. I mean, they, they've kept with red. Red is Downcast color, so... You know, right now I'm I'm playing one of the episodes of of Generational, and so when I'm playing that, you know, everything is is kind of kind of orange, you know, because that's that's Gabe's color for for Generational. It's got a black background and then the orange artwork, but then you've got these white and these these red buttons for Downcast. So on one hand, it's it's kind of a lot of colors, but on the other hand, it's you know it's very clearly Downcast, and and that's their brand and and that's what they're doing with it. And sorry, I hit play, so you probably heard it in the background there for a minute. Um, coming through the speakers out of the kitchen. But, you know, I like it. And I prefer Downcast to Instacast just because I, I actually have Instacast. I bought Instacast. But I found that Downcast just had more features and more customization for me, just like the ability to create, you know, custom playlists or the ability to automatically delete podcasts that have already been played and things that I just was looking for in in, in uh, Instacast and and couldn't quite come up with a with an easy way to do it. So... I will tell you the one thing that is causing me some problems in, I know it's working for other people, so it may just be an issue for me, is um, background refresh is causing me issues. And I'll, I'll notice that show episodes show that they're, you know, ready for download, but it doesn't actually download them. You know, for example, in the morning, my morning ritual is I always listen to an NPR podcast in Mac OS Ken every morning while I'm getting ready for work. And so I have a playlist called Morning that those two shows are in, and I just play that morning playlist every morning. And you would think by now that whatever it's supposed to learn or whatever training you're supposed to do, it would figure out that, gee, about every morning at about 5.30 or 6 o'clock, I open up Downcast and and download the shows. But um, it hasn't figured that out yet. It, it shows that there are two that are ready to be downloaded because those are podcasts that are updated overnight. But I, I do still have to wait for them to get downloaded. Well, that's no fun. I know. And ironically, now the Downcast app is similar to the music app in color, at least. Yeah, it doesn't bother me. But, you know, Downcast does have a Mac version, too. Yeah. how Have you used that? Uh-huh. I have. But I've actually found that because I've 
you know, switch to using downcast on my iPhone. I don't listen to podcasts as much in, on my Mac anymore. Yeah. Well, I, I uh, don't have all the answers. I, I could see myself using downcast just as easily as Instacast. And it seems like whichever one, it's kind of like parallels and fusion where it's like, whichever one I've used last is the one I'm currently using. And my loyalty is not real strong either way. So they're both really good apps. And then then Mark Ormond has Overcast coming in, I guess, two or three months, which is going to be a, another entry. And I, I'm very curious to see what he does with it, because I, I really like his design aesthetic and, and the way he sweats the little details. So so we'll see, I guess. Yeah. Um, let's take a break for another sponsor break. And this one kind of overlaps the content of the show. It, it, the Omni Group is also a sponsor of the Mac Power Users, and I want to tell you about OmniFocus 2 for the iPhone. So it was killing me, Katie. I had the um, I can the imagine. beta for this for, I don't know, two or three weeks before it came out. And it's just so different from the traditional version of OmniFocus for the iPhone, which is an app, which is the app I spend the most amount of time in probably of any app because I'm constantly juggling all these tasks. And the Omni Group went back and they basically threw the whole company at redesigning this app in a workflow that makes more sense after having used it for five years. Because, you know, OmniFocus 1 for the iPhone came out, I believe, with the iPhone 3G. I think it was part of that big happy day I was telling you about earlier. And I remember what it was like using an iPhone without OmniFocus and how I'd make these printouts and carry them in my pocket and all this weird stuff I was doing to, to try and be mobily OmniFocus smart. And so I was ho- so happy when it came out for the phone. But after five years, there are things that, that just didn't work well in the old application, not in terms of functionality, but in terms of flowing, you know, in, in terms of getting to where you needed to be very quickly. Like one of the things they added was forecast. And I love this forecast feature where I can oh. look at the next few days and see what what's on tap for those days. Well, now when you open OmniFocus, it's right across the top of the screen and it displays the number of due items for the next week on each day. So I can say, hey, Wednesday, I've got two items due. What are those things? Let me just check those really quick to make sure I don't blow it. And and I really like the way this works now. The, the inbox is right there. And then they've got easy icons for your flagged items, nearby items, you know, with the, with the map feature, contexts, and projects. So you can get to any one of those from this home screen, and then you can add any of the custom perspectives that you particularly love. It's all done right there. So now when you open the application, all of these pieces are right in front of you. I think it's a really great redesign. I know how hard they worked on it, and it shows because I've been you know using it every day. The redesign isn't just, though, the home screen when you open the application, but it's also workflowy in terms of as you go through tasks. Now, like the task screen um, has additional settings and buttons that allow you to do more with the task. You can create a project from a task, for instance. One of the things I often do is somebody will tell me, hey, we should, you know, do do this project. I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. And I'll write down as a task, plan the XYZ project. And it's not a project at that point. It's just a task, you know, then I have a task to plan it and then I can turn it into a project right there. It's just super easy to do now. Um, So I've been managing because this came out, I've been trying to manage my daily task list almost exclusively with the phone and I adapted to it very quickly and, and I really love it. I mean, another feature that they've added is this little inbox icon in the lower right uh, corner of the screen. It's there 
in almost every screen in the application. So no matter where you are, if you think of something you want to add to your inbox, you can do it right there. Well, there's just a lot to say about this application. Maybe one of the biggest things is background you know, syncing. So now it's doing oh. that background sync we were talking about. Yeah. And see, I use this all the time. And I was wondering, you know, because this, this doesn't work real well on some of the apps for me, but it does an OmniFocus because one of the things I use all the time is the Siri trick. You know, yeah. where you tell, I have mine configured a little differently than you do. I, my main reminder list feeds into OmniFocus. And I know you have yours go to a specific OmniFocus list, but same same basic principle involved. But yeah. I use Siri all the time. Remind me to blank. Remind me when I get to blank to blank. You know, all, all of this other stuff. And it used to be I either had, I had to open the app to to get all of those reminders to, to feed back through to OmniFocus. And I noticed the other day, I'm like, wow, why is this an OmniFocus already? I haven't opened, I haven't even touched my phone. How has this gotten here already? Yeah. And it's it's the background sync that's making it happen. It's magic. It, it is magic. Happens. So I open OmniFocus in the morning now, and it may do, there's a, uh, it'll, it'll check the library, and it won't be downloading, it'll just be reconfiguring the library. It takes, I mean, with the new uh, 5S, I'm like, did you get your 5S yet? <laughs> no, I, weren't you going to get one? Oh, yeah, you didn't. That's yeah. right. That's right. You did. Well, I got one. And man, this thing just screams in OmniFocus. But anyway, so the thing is just done for me. So now when I open it, it's ready to go. I, so I'm using it more than ever. Another feature they've got, and I don't want to turn this into a really <laughs> you know, episode long ad spot, but it's it's overlapping because this is the topic of the show. But you know, like when you have something that's overdue, there's a circle that you put the checkbox in, it'll turn red or turn yellow or it'll turn gray. You know, it's all color coded. So it's not real offensive, but at the same time, it gives you the information you need. I'm just really happy with this application. And that's just the beginning of the stuff you can do with it. I did a long review. I think it was like 2000 words or something over at Max Sparky. We'll put the link in the show notes. And, and go check it out. And if you're an OmniFocus user, go upgrade to OmniFocus 2 for the iPhone. You will not regret it. And thanks to the Omni Group for supporting our show. All right. Let's see. What else? We talked about Twitterific already. Um, what about Around Me? Because that was one of those apps that I... It's one of the first apps that I bought for my iPhone years. And I don't think it was even bought. I think it's a free app, isn't it? Yeah, I that's why I put it in the outline because it was one of the first apps I downloaded for my phone when you could download apps. And it's just a simple app that takes your current location and you can tap on, you know, ATMs or coffee shops or hospitals or whatever it is that you're interested in and it'll show you those those places around you and get you to them on a map. And with the gas station even gives you the gas prices, which is kind of nice. Um Ooh. so it it's something I've always liked and I've it's one of those apps. Yeah, I'd be curious to know how many apps that you know I was carrying around on my phone when we first opened the app store that are still there. But this is one of the that small list, and they completely redesigned it for iOS seven, and it just kind of reflects the iOS seven you know icons and colors. And it's it's a great app. You can download it for free. There's an in-app purchase, and I don't even remember what it was. I think it was two dollars if you want to remove ads, but. It's a great little app and you should check it out, if, especially if you travel a lot. Yeah, I'm not digging the the original around me icon, but I definitely like what they've done with the redesign. Yeah. 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 I've I've used um Yelp for a lot of this type of stuff now. Yeah, that would make sense. 
Yeah, but I I think you know around me still does you know because Yelp doesn't do like the gas stations or you know, the gas station prices or anything like that. In fact, I think you know I just redownloaded Around Me again because a lot of a lot of things that that I you know this is going to replace I think the Gas Buddy app that I use and things like that. Yeah, definitely. Has it, a place. It's nice when you find an app that can replace several apps. I know. Not like I don't have plenty of space on this phone, but yeah, I like getting yeah. rid of rid of needless apps. Uh, so. You have Notability on the list. Yeah, Notability got a little bit of an update for iOS seven. I mean, it definitely took some of the the shininess off of it. And I'm not sure how much of that was, um, you know, just a, just a result of, uh, of the UI kit change or how much of that they, they actively did, but they really got a, a, a larger update when they updated to version five. And they, they did that a month or so ago. And I am really excited about notability again, probably because I just ordered this Evernote pen. It's really called the jot pen, but I keep going, I'm going to call it the Evernote pen. Um, because the the new Notability is now available both on the iPad and the iPhone. And I use Notability almost exclusively on my iPad. But there are places where it's nice because my iPhone is always in my pocket to have the ability to see what I've done on Notability on the iPad and just pull it up on my iPhone. So the new version has this iCloud sync where it will keep everything in sync between the two versions, um, both on your iPad and your iPhone. And that's a that's another major feature of the version 5 is that it's now a hybrid app. It used to just be an app for the iPad. And now it's available for the iPhone. And it has stuff like auto backup to Dropbox. I mean, we've talked about what Notability is and what it does in past shows. I mean, it's it's a note-taking app that – it's a note-taking app extraordinaire. It gives you the ability to both take handwritten notes. It gives you the ability to type. It gives you the ability to take audio notes. And then you can back those up or export them to PDF or you know, pretty much do whatever you want. Yeah. Um it is a great app. Another one that I thought got a really nice upgrade with iOS 7 was Byword. And we've talked about Byword in the past. In fact, they're a past sponsor of the show. But it's my go-to simple text app. And I've, you know, as I've said in the past, I love the way the iCloud syncing just works on it. So I've got it installed on my iPad, my iPhone, and my Mac. And just little bits of text. Like I'm working on a project for work and right now it's a Byword text file. At any one time, I've got probably 10 text files in there that are things I'm working on, whether it's an article for Macworld or a piece of a book or whatever. And uh, so, so they got an uh, iOS 7 upgrade. Uh, they used that text kit, that new element in iOS 7, mm-hmm. which allows them to put markdown syntax highlighting in the application, just like on the Mac. And it's huge because when you put, you know, something in there, the, the highlighting or the syntax kind of grays out and it makes it easier to read just like on the Mac. I, I didn't even think it was possible, but apparently it is now with new iOS 7. The keyboard is better with a better markdown automation. Like if you tap the link button, it creates the, it creates a reference link for you right there with the text highlighted in the name of the reference link. So you're just ready to go. Um, you can, oh, if you swipe the application from the right now, you get using that side swipe feature, like I was talking about earlier, you get a markdown preview. So it just happens. Uh, no background refresh yet, though. That's something I'd like to see them add. I still have to wait for it to kind of update when I open the app. Yeah. It's a nice okay. update though. So reader, you said this wasn't in our list, but it's, it's right here. It's on my yeah, list. I missed it. I missed it, Katie. You got yeah. me. Yeah. So, you know, reader, we talked about extensively in our RSS apocalypse show or whatever it is. We, yeah, that's two E's. Yeah. Two reader e with reader. two E's, whatever yeah. it was that we called that show. 
but Reader was my RSS reader of, of choice, and I had it both on the Mac, on the iPhone, on the iPad. And I'll tell you, the place that I used it the most was on the iPad, just because that's the most comfortable reading experience for me is, you know, I really like either the first thing in the morning or last thing at night. That's what I'll do is I'll grab my iPad and I'll I'll go through all my RSS feeds and, and read what I want there. So that's primarily where I use my RSS reader. But I like using it on my phone too. So if I'm I'm out to lunch somewhere or if I've got some time to kill, if I'm waiting for somebody or, you know, waiting in a doctor's office or, you know, whatever, just I, I can pop it open and and see what's going on. And just having Reader back, because now it's compatible with all these new feed aggregator services like Feed Wrangler and Feedbin and Feedly and Feed this and Feed that and Feed the other thing. Um, it, it's it's usable again. It, it really wasn't usable for, well, I guess it was. For, on the iPhone it was, but in, on these other platforms it, it really wasn't usable for, for a long time. So I like what they've done um, a little bit with the redesign. It's certainly... Um, iOS 7. I, I've got a few complaints about Reader. Um, I really don't like the way that they handle smart folders. I wish the smart folders were were at the top and, you know, I wish they showed unread counts, but those are really the only complaints that I have. One of the, one of my favorite features is, you know, when you're, when you're reading, whether it's a big stack of items, is you can click on an item and, and you can say, you know what, mark everything above this particular item as read or mark everything below this particular item is red, which is great if you're just kind of going through your mainstream and, and you've got to stop. But you still don't want to lose, you know, everything that you skimmed through so far. Does that yeah. make sense? No, it makes total sense. And, and nice. Reader's the only RSS reader, I think, um, that I've seen do that. You're still using ReadKit on the Mac? I'm using ReadKit on the Mac, um, but I am still using Mr. Reader on the iPad, just because of the way it handles the folders. Yeah. As, as soon as Reader fixes the white handles folders on the iPad, I'm going back. Okay. Um, another one from OmniFocus or Omni Group is Omni Outliner 2. And uh, they came out with a new version of Omni Outliner for the iPad. It's got uh, better template management, so you can apply templates to an existing document. That's a feature that I've always wanted. And the keyboard shortcuts are killer. So now you've got just about most of the keyboard shortcuts you use on the Mac. And, and that's part of iOS 7. You know, Apple has made it easier to implement these keyboard shortcuts. So the Omni group jumped on top of that. They can also export to um, CSV or DocX, just to a word, if that's your thing. So it's a nice update to Omni Outliner as well. And, of course, it got kind of the iOS 7 look now. Cool. Uh, why don't we do a sponsor? I've got a couple more. Okay. Well, actually, you know what? Let's just do this one more, and then we'll let's talk about iOS seven a little bit. Um, so, uh, so Pocket is another one, and Pocket got you know the most important feature that Pocket got was this background sync. Um, are, are you using Pocket at all? Or are you still on Instapaper? I'm still on Instapaper, good, but it's good. It, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that. Okay, I was just so going to say it's it's on borrowed time. Oh, really? Okay. Mm. Well, let's talk about that in a second. But let me just finish talking about Pocket first. So they got a nice little bit of a redesign. I thought it always looked pretty clean to begin with. Um, but one of the nice things is when you're reading an article, it it pushes away the status bar just like it does in Safari. You know, I, I really like that feature in Safari in iOS 7 where you start scrolling an article and all the other UI just disappears and you just have text. Have you noticed that? Yeah, Instapaper does that. Okay, so so Pocket does that. I think that's nice. It's a little snappier, um, but the background sync is the big deal. When you open it, it's just up to date. Now, Instapaper came out with a new app, right? 
Yeah, but not really. Okay, so explain. Because I haven't tried it yet, but people have been asking me about it. All right, so Instapaper came out with version 5. And it's 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 an it's a free update, thankfully, because I think if it was a pay update, I mean people are already up in arms about pay updates, and that's just a whole nother topic for a whole nother show. But the Instapaper update I didn't think was that huge of an update, especially on the iPad. So Instapaper got a pretty nice update, especially on the iPhone. Um, you know, they've got it, it definitely has the iOS seven UI. You can swipe left, you can swipe white, you can swipe white. Woo, that's hard to say. Uh, you can swipe it's like left. Bugs Bunny. I know. Kind of Bugs Bunny on me, Katie. Look out. <laughs> swipe left or swipe white, uh, depending on, on what you need to do. Uh, actually, that's Elmer Fudd. I guess it is Elmer Fudd. Yeah. Um, but it also has a filter feature. So you can filter the stories kind of by about how much time it thinks it will take you to read. You know, less than five minutes, five to ten minutes, ten to thirty minutes, over an hour, things like that. Um or you can you can sort them. So those are new. Is is the ability to sort and filter either by the newest, the oldest, the longest, the shortest, the most popular, or just a, a random shuffle. So those are some of the new features that Instapaper got. It did not get background sync, and I just don't understand that. You know, Marco implemented this this hack of background sync and you know, genius the way that he did it years ago by using this location aware thing. But why not implement background sync with iOS 7? Yeah, the, the big piece I need to to look at before I could really consider going back to Instapaper is what's the if this, then that support. Because as I said in that show we did on this stuff, it's really a huge part of my workflow now. I mean, yeah. when I look at something in Pocket, I can write put a, a post tag on it, and then all of a sudden it shows up in OmniFocus, I'm going to write a post on it. And it's just, and there's other workflows I have similar to that. And Instapaper just didn't support that the last time I checked. Yeah. I should um, also mention that Instapaper now has kind of specifically a a video, I hate to say playlist, but folder, you know, where you can save videos to, or where it will save all your videos separately that you've saved. Mm-hmm. But it, it didn't really add any other support for videos. I mean, it didn't optimize its player anymore for videos or... Instapaper has always kind of supported videos through its built-in player, but not really. Well, Pocket supports that, but that's a feature I barely use. I'm, you know, I don't watch that much video from surfing the web. Yeah, um, but did you see that Dear J.J. Abrams don't screw up Star Wars video? Oh, that was so good. I loved it. I retweeted it. Yeah, but that was, that was something that I, like everybody had been retweeting it, and I didn't have time to look at it right then and there, so I Instapapered it. Yeah. So there is a place for you know, save it now, save it later video services. And I tried watch later and I just, you know, it wasn't my thing. I just don't want an- yet another place to go check a queue. Uh, here's, here's one uh, that's not on our list and it's not really iOS seven, but it just did get, re- get a recent update. And I'm finding I'm using it quite a bit as a read quick. That's a uh, Clayton Morris's app. Mm-hmm. Have you used it on the iPhone yet? I have. And, you know, read quick actually got some competition recently with another app called velocity. Okay, I'm not aware of that one. Is it good? Well, it, yeah, I mean, but but I think it's it's actually helpful because you know velocity is out. It's very iOS seven, and I think it's it's making people more aware of of these types of apps. Well, ReadQuick is now on the iPhone, and I thought I I wouldn't use it much on the iPhone, and I use it all the time. Yeah. So it, go check it out and uh, go how, listen to the Clayton Moore show if you want to hear more about that. How how fast are you? Um, it just depends on the content. You know, I, I don't, I'll slow it down if I need to, but even just at a slower speed, I'm still whipping through stuff. Okay. 
Notice, folks, he did not answer the question. Well, let me see here. What have I got <laughs> my most recent? I'll have to look. I just didn't. I just don't really remember. Let me see no, what I've got. That's fine. I'm I'm at about five twenty. Oh man, you're you're crushing me. Uh-huh. Well, you you just laughed a little bit, didn't you? I'm sorry. I'm not laughing. Hey. Yeah, at five twenty, I would, I'd be like that little kid that's running so fast that he falls on his face. That's what I would do at five twenty. I I can't read everything at five twenty. It depends. You're so smart. No, I'm not. I just okay. I'm impatient. So. Okay, so you just select, you just read at five twenty, but just read every other word. Something like that. I'm like, yeah, I got, I got, <laughs> I got enough good enough gist of what that is. Moving on. Okay. Well, now that you've emasculated me over my reading speed, <laughs> sorry. let's talk about a sponsor. I didn't mean to. All right. Um, our sponsor for this episode, I'm really sorry, um, is Squarespace. I don't so, think you're sorry. No, I'm not sorry. Um, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that makes it easy for you to create your own website. David uses it for Max Sparky. I use it for katiefloyd.me. And you know what? I was in Squarespace this weekend um, you know, updating some posts, because here's a tip. I write a lot of my posts over the weekend and set them to auto post over the week. Sorry. And they are constantly upgrading their platform. They rearranged things. There were new buttons. And it was like getting a software update, and I didn't have to do anything. It was just, boom, there. I yeah. was like, huh, now I can add this type of button, or now I can add a donate button, or now I can add, you know, whatever, all these things that that weren't there before. So they have beautifully designed templates that will, will get you started, and then you can customize them from there. You can decide, do you want this navigation bar on the left? Do you want it on the right? Do you want no navigation bar? What do you want on the header? Do you want no header? Do you want your text to be blue, green, pink, purple, black, white? Whatever you want it to be. Do you want a background? Do you want a background color? It's drag and drop simple. And I've had a couple of people say, you know, I need to create a, a website for this club or this organization. I don't know where to start. And Squarespace is is always my answer because if you don't know what to do, if you don't know where to start, just about anybody, and especially anybody listening to this podcast, can create a great-looking website in not a lot of time using Squarespace. You don't have to worry about hosting. They take care of that. You don't have to worry about search engine optimization. They'll take care of that, make sure that your site looks good, gets indexed well. You know, I had this meeting with this guy who was trying to sell me something for our office website, and, you know, he drove off with this big car that was wrapped in, you know, get optimized on Google. And I was just like, oh, no, we're not doing business with you. You know, the Squarespace just takes care of all of that stuff behind the scenes. You don't have to mess with it or mess with some sleazy guy that's trying to sell you Google optimization and all of that other stuff going on. But if you need help and you run into trouble, Squarespace has over 70 employees that are ready to help you. They're based in New York City, um, and their office has apparently been nicknamed, true story, the Care Bear Lair, which I'm not real sure how I feel about that. Um, but apparently they've won numerous awards for their their tech support and friendliness. And I know any time that I've ever had to contact them, I usually get a response within 15 to 20 minutes and, you know, boom, there you go. So uh, check out Squarespace. Check out the cool videos on their homepage, by the way. I've seen Squarespace has started advertising on TV. So just remember, you heard about them here first before they get all big-timey on us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you can try Squarespace for free. You don't need a credit card. If you decide to purchase it, plans start at just $8 a month. They include your domain name if you sign up for a year. And you can get up to 10% off and support the show by using coupon code MPU10. So we got to work on a better coupon code for next month. Maybe, I don't know. I like the Katie is Angry code. We'll come up with something else for next month. Yeah. But, uh, we'll, we'll come up with, 
with something. But but we heard from we, we love hearing from our listeners about their Squarespace sites that they're building. And we got a great email from Heather who said, I'm a I'm a graduate student in sciences and it's important for me to have a website so people can find who you are, what you do, where you work. Um, you know, whether you've published, but I really wasn't ready to pay money for hosting. And I had one of these basic Google sites and it didn't look very good. And she said, we turned her on to Squarespace. And so now she's got a site up and she says it's still a work in progress, but she's, you know, already launched it and already going. So you can find her site at heatherorlins.com, heather, O-L-I-N-S.com. Yeah, it's a nice minimal site that looks good. Yeah, I, I think it's fine. I think it's great. And she's got all of her research and her credentials and her blog and her photography and her contact information and her links, um, links to her Pinterest, her Twitter and Instagram and all that right up in Squarespace. Well, thanks, Squarespace. And thanks, Heather, for uh, sharing your site with us. And Katie, let's move on to talking about things in iOS 7 that we are digging after having used it a few weeks. Why don't you go first? You know, I really, really like iOS 7. Um, a, a couple of the, the new features that I've really liked about it, there are just so many. So if i got to pick one right off the bat, Spotlight. Okay. I, I, have, um, I use Spotlight all the time to, to launch applications. And just this, this gesture of, of pulling down and then immediately the cursor goes in and being able to type in Spotlight – I it it just seems so much easier now to to launch applications that way. Yeah, I think that was something that was a little troublesome for people that were used to the old system, you know, people adjusting, but once you figure it out, it's available on every screen. It's it's a much better improvement. Yeah. Okay. Um yeah, I, I like the text sizing. So they've built this text kit into the whole system where you can set your preferred size. I like it a little bit larger. You know, you turn 40, all of a sudden it's a little harder to read. So I put the text up just a little bit. You know, I'm not up to like Dr. Drang's level for sure. <laughs> or Merlin. I'm sure Merlin has it really large. But the uh, but I'm in the middle there. And uh, and bumping up the text and, and any app that respects that will also have the text sizing updated, which seems like a little thing. but but it, it really makes me happy. Yeah. Uh, I'm finding that I'm using Siri a lot more in iOS 7 than I was before. Um, are you using a male Siri or a female Siri now? A, a female. Yeah, I'm, I'm still using the female Siri. Siri's a lady to me. I'm just used to that. I can't change that. <laughs> but she's she's been a lot more accurate for me. Um, now, I still occasionally get the, I'm sorry, I can't help you right now. But I yeah, it, it seems to be... Less often, and it seems like she does a much better job of of comprehending what I'm saying and and actually doing what I tell her to. We may do a show on how we use uh, Siri and some of the uh, text, uh, uh, the speech to text stuff. Well, I'll tell you one thing that um, that Google has Apple beat on is when you dictate into an Android device, the words appear as you dictate them, which is a huge improvement. That's something I'd like to see Siri get next year, hopefully. Knock on wood. Um, I I really like the um, well. Here's one that's that's dependent on having the fancy new phone, but maybe I'm a little off target here. But the iPhone 5s, I, I have one now, and I really love it. And the the burst mode and the slow mode, uh, slow mo mode on the camera are just excellent. We went to a, a birthday party for my 
my godson last week and it was a superhero party. So imagine like 15, two to five year olds dressed up as superheroes and imagine trying to get a picture of them all standing there. <laughs> right. You know, it's crazy. So I just held down the shutter and it took like 30 images and it gave me the best one and it looked good. It was in focus and all the kids were more or less looking at me. So I'm like, okay, that's a keeper. So I went to delete. What did I do then? Uh, so then I went in photo stream. I had done it and, um, and it de- I said, delete some of the others and where it just showed one image. You know, when you do a burst, it would take like 10 or 15 min- images at once. So let's say I just said, delete that picture. And then it says, confirms, do you want to delete 15 images? So it was deleting all of them. It was only showing me the one. I, I think the way they did it just makes it really easy to use, which is important. Yeah. And the slow mode. Oh, that's great. I took a picture of a kid beating a pinata with it. Oh, man, it's great. Love it. Mm. Mm. That was a judgmental. Hmm. Yeah, you and your fancy five S. I I'm just I'm imagining what kids in superhero costumes are doing with slow mo on the iPhone. Yeah, it's great. I'm just envisioning them, you know, taking leaps at you and all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, I I, I um I took a few hits that day. Yeah. A couple of them hurt pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um I have really enjoyed notifications in iOS seven because I think they're still functional but less obtrusive, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I can't really explain it. You know, you've got this pull down for what's it called? Launch center or notification center or whatever that little thing is that you pull down from the top. Yeah. But it, it will, you know, and you can, I don't know how thrilled I am about the calendar view and all that, that it's showing you, but it will show you all of your notifications and your missed notifications. And I mean, I don't need to see 15 gazillion um, CNN notifications. I still well, maybe like you need to turn those off. No, I, I still like seeing them when there is breaking news, but I like seeing them for just a minute. And then I don't need, I don't need to see them in notification center. The first thing when I, when I pull them down. So I do like them popping across my screen to see if there's something interesting going on, but I like the fact that they're not in the main notification center window. You know, something else they do in notification center is they show you app update info. So if you've got, you know, because you can set it now to download updates to your apps automatically, which I did immediately. I love that. Yeah, me too. But then you never find out what got updated. And so if you go to Notification Center, if you've got automatic background downloading, it will give you a notification when it updates the app and give you the the notes to tell you what they changed. And I am just geeky enough to want to read those. Oh, that's a good idea. So you you turn that – I don't even think I have that on. So you turn that on under Notification Center – uh, I'll, okay. I'll, oh, App Store. Yeah. Because right now I don't have them in the notification center, but I yeah, guess it turn makes that sense. one on. It's worth it. Okay. Cool. Uh, Do you want me to go again? Yeah. I got no, no, more. No, 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 no. I've got, I've got lots of, lots of cool stuff that, that I like in, in iOS 7. Um, let's see. What else, what else do I like? Um, hmm. All right. I got another one. You okay. think about it. When you send a mail now, um, Apple Mail on the iPhone tries to predict the from address. Oh, I love Have that. Have you noticed that? I love that. And it's pretty darn good about it because I'm <laughs> I'm always afraid that I'm going to send something to one of my law contacts from my MacPowerUsers.com email address, and they're going to be yeah. like, uh, what's I've this? done that. I actually sent an email to opposing counsel from MaxSparky.com once, oh. and he called, he called me on it. And I said, you know, I got a great website. Suck it, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I hope they're going to bring that into um, into the Mac. 
So yeah. We'll see. Nice. Yeah. Let's see. Dark mode. Do you use dark mode in maps? Because I'm using maps more and more for um, just instead of my GPS in my car. Yeah, that was something I complained about when maps first came out that I felt like at night the screen was too bright and it was like blinding my my vision because I had this really bright maps app on my screen and I thought it was making I thought it was kind of a driving hazard and in fact I wrote a post about how I would use the um the special mode to to make it so you could triple click using one of the accessibility thing yeah accessibility modes to flip it and it was all goofy and now it just it it detects when it's dark out and it turns it to dark mode thank you apple Uh, do not disturb in ios 7 has gotten a lot better because now you can it it used to be that it didn't disturb you so long as your phone was locked but now but you know if you were had do not disturb mode on maybe because you were sitting in a courtroom or something like that and you were actually using your phone, it would buzz and beep and do whatever, just like it normally was. But now if you yeah. actually have do not disturb on, it's it's going to respect that and not disturb you. And do not disturb really means do not disturb, but it's an optional setting. So if you'd like it to disturb you when the phone is unlocked, you can have it do so. Yeah. So one of the features that I really like, and this may be my last one, because we could talk about iOS 7 stuff forever, is the ability to teach Siri how to pronounce names. Yeah, that's really nice. Because I am so tired of Siri saying, okay, I'll remind you to call something that's totally not correct. So so tell us how you do that. All right. So um, one of the guys I work with, last name is Fiber, but it's not spelled F-I-B-E-R, you know, like Fiber 1 or anything like that. He spells it F-E-I-B-E-R. Yeah. So they uh, Siri pronounces it Fieber, which is kind of hysterical. And yeah. so when I when I tell Siri, you know, have me call Steve Fiber, it either doesn't know what I'm talking about or it, you know, can't find the contact. So what I do is I, you know, after after Siri mispronounces that, I say, that's not how you pronounce it. And she's very polite. She says, oh, OK, well, yeah, excuse me, you know, and, and says, how do you pronounce this? And usually the first name's, you know, very normal first name. So you pronounce the first name and then it gives you three options and it plays it back for you. And you say this one and then you pronounce the last name and it gives you three options. And it you say, OK, well, this one is the most the closest. Um, and then she'll pronounce the name like that from then on. That's nice. Yeah. Yep. The. um. Okay, I've got a last one for you. Since now that you've got iOS 7, if you want to get some of that cool gradient wallpaper, but you don't like the gradient colors that Apple ships with it, there's an app, it's $1, called Grad, G-R-A-D, which is a really simple app that allows you to make a gradient wallpaper. I got that one from Mac Stories. Federico did a story on that, and I thought that was really good. So yeah, go check it out. All right. Well, I think we've iOS 7 quite a bit. Um, We've got a good bit of listener feedback I want to get to. But before we do, I want to talk about our last sponsor, and that is 1Password. And as we've discussed, 1Password version 4 is out, should be out by the time that you hear this show. And we talked about kind of our favorite features of 1Password 4 in the last episode, but there are so many that we really didn't get to all of them. Um, so I want to talk about another one of my favorite features that's in 1Password 4 that is so important, and I can't believe we didn't talk about it in the last show, and that is security audit. It's a new feature built into 1Password version 4. It's just a little drop-down menu on the sidebar of 1Password version 4, and by default, what it shows you is it shows you 
all of the passwords that it rates as weak passwords. It will show you all of the passwords where you have used a duplicate password. And then it will show you passwords that are more than three years old, between one and three years old, or between 12 and six months old. So it's kind of these pre-populated smart folders built into 1Password under the category of security audit that you can then look and say, whoa, okay, well, these are these are not very secure passwords. And when you're looking at what do I want to, you know, what do I want to prioritize and what passwords do I need to go change? Those are the ones that, that you go change. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. And we've been, you know, we've, we've talked about that there were ways to do this before by you could type, uh, you know, you could sort by password strength or you can type a password into your search bar and you could actually search by password. And all of those features are still there in one password version four, but the security audit just makes it so simple to make sure that you're not using the same password over and over again, or that you're not using weak passwords over and over again, because it's just a button right there that you press and it says, okay, you want to see what pa- what sites are using duplicate passwords? Boom, here they are. These are all the sites where you're using duplicate passwords. And if we have not harped on it enough, how important it is to use strong, unique passwords across all of your different websites, you know, just look at who got hacked and when, and it's not necessarily because of anything careless that you did. It's just these people that you trust your data to, uh, you know, there are security breaches on their end. And if somebody ends up, you know, getting, you know, who can we pick on recently, Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook or anybody else's um, database and they get username and passwords, you know, one of the things that they're going to do is they're going to start using those username and passwords again across different sites because they found that people tend to use the same passwords over and over and over again. So if someone, somehow your security is breached and your password is compromised on one site, it's probably a good chance that they're going to start trying to use that compromised password on other sites. Yeah. It just gives you the convenience of a locked box on your Mac, your iPad, or your iPhone. And you just can't understate that. So so thanks, 1Password, for sponsoring the show. And where can you find it, Katie? You can find more information over at 1Password.com. It's available in the Mac App Store. You can get 1Password for Mac, 1Password for iOS. Uh, so you can sync it. It syncs back across through iCloud or through Dropbox. So all of your passwords stay in sync no matter where you are. They also have 1Password for Windows so that you can, if you're a slider and you use Windows at work or wherever, you can use 1Password on your Windows machine. And they've got a 1Password reader for Android. So you've always got access to your passwords no matter where you are. And just the process of having good password security is so harrowing. Share it with somebody you love. You know, teach them how to use 1Password. They'll thank you for it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So let's talk about some feedback. But before we do, just closing thoughts on iOS 7. I thought there was going to be a lot more blowback because it was so different. But I've heard very little, you know, because I'm kind of the go-to guy in my little world. You know, they all know I'm a Mac nerd. So they want, if there's any problem they have with any Apple-related technology, I hear about it. I just didn't hear much with iOS 7, did you? No, I mean, I had one person in my office whose phone got bricked when they did the update to iOS 7 and they had to restore. And they didn't have a backup. But you know what? They did have a backup. Because I had turned on iCloud backup on their phone. Yeah, good for you. Yes. Some somebody said Katie, don't you think that's a little forward to turn on iCloud backup on your boss's phone? And I said, nope. No. <laughs> I guess I guess you have to know the person. 
Yeah, exactly. Makes <laughs> so. a lot of sense. My my wife is backing up to a time capsule, and I'm pretty sure she has no idea. <laughs> That's you, you you do have to know your audience. You have to know the person. But you know what? As mad as she was when she thought she was going to lose everything, she wasn't so mad when it all came back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so um, let's talk about some feedback. We got we did a show recently where we talked about education, and somebody wrote in. Actually, it was Mike, and he wrote in about a flashcard app called The Mental Case, and I went and checked it out, and it is really great. I wish I had included it in the original show, because it, it's a learning uh, based on what you get right and what you get wrong, and it's just a really great uh, flashcard app. Uh, part of me wants to go back to school when I see some of these apps, Yeah, but, yeah. but another part of me is perfectly fine not going back to school. I don't blame you. Yeah. Um, so I... we've. Got uh well we got a lot of feedback about if this then that in security. I know you were talking about how important if this then that is to a lot of your workflows. I know I use it to forward things to Evernote. I know you use it to forward things from Reader or no I'm sorry Pocket. Uh, you know there's there's all kinds of things that you can do with if this then that. And I think Josh was the one who who wrote us and said you know you guys talk about services like if this then that, but but how do you reconcile using a service like if this and that? which requires that you give it access to all of your accounts. I mean, you've got to give it access to your email. You've got to give it access to Evernote. You've got to give it access to Dropbox. You've got to, do, you know, you've got to give it access to all of this kind of stuff if you want it to be able to work. Yeah, I don't really have the answer for that. Um, it's Is it like Google where we all just jumped in with both feet thinking, oh, this is great. This will be great for us. And then at some point we all started feeling like it was getting creepy. I don't feel that way with if this than that yet. Um, I don't. It doesn't have access to a lot of my data, though. I mean, the kind of stuff I run through if this than that is primarily simple notification stuff, like uh, you know if it's going to be really hot where I live or if there's an allergy warning. Um, uh, my read it later stuff. I don't really feel that I'm that concerned about the security of that. Um, but if I use Gmail, because it has some really sophisticated stuff with Gmail, that might be a little more concerning, and I would research that further. I don't think they have access to the contents of the messages, but just the headers. But now I'm just completely, you know, kind of off the reservation. I'm not sure if that's that's true or not, so I shouldn't say that. Yeah, and, and I think what if a, this, then that's, I think if this, then that's, if this, then that makes some use of, of tokens, so that you can it, it depends on the security and the authentication that the various site provides. So I'm not sure that if this then that ever has your password. You know, it depends on the I don't think it does. Yeah, it depends again, on the the various yeah. security options that these these sites. But, you know, surely you can you can make the argument that if this then that gets compromised then something wacky could happen, you know, and in that case you could go into Dropbox and revoke access or you could go into Evernote and revoke access, but could could damage have been done? Probably um but I think if this and that is more limited in its ability to delete things and remove things, especially for certain services that I have hooked up, you know, to me, it would be more of a flooding of those yeah. services if it went run away awry. The, um, we heard from Sam who was talking about keyboard maestro and OmniFocus perspectives. And he said, you know, another use for the new wireless networking feature in keyboard maestro would be to activate an OmniFocus perspective based on location. For example, when he connects to the office Wi-Fi, he activates the office perspective. 
And when he's on his home network, he activates the home perspective in that way. OmniFocus changes its look based on where he's located, which I thought was really smart. Uh, sadly for me, it doesn't work because I do uh, you know, office stuff at all locations. And I've got all my perspectives tied to keyboard shortcuts, which make more sense for me to jump jump among them. But, you know, Keyboard Maestro just continues to find uses in my life. Yeah, I'm using it more and more often. Uh, we got an email from Brenda who said, hey, longtime listener, but what about Drobo? Uh, you mentioned it in a couple of shows, but, you know, I hadn't heard about it recently and you both raved about it and I bought it because of your recommendation. Are you still using it? And if not, why? Uh, well, and I think, Brenda, you're going to be hearing about it more often. I mean, Drobo is back as a sponsor. And um, I've actually got a blog post going up on on my site. Um, by the time you hear this, it will have been just a few days ago uh, about the new Drobo 5N that I've been playing with for, for the past week. And I'm really a big fan of the 5N. It's, it's very fast, very speedy. And I'm really enjoying, at least initially, um, the Plex app on the 5N. So I've got that all set up. I'm using my Drobo now for Time Machine, which is something that I've never done before. And I'm finding that it's working even better than backing up to uh, an Apple time capsule. So I think the next time I buy a, a base station, which I likely will in the next few months to upgrade data to, to 11 AC, I'm probably not going to buy a time capsule. I'm probably just going to buy, you know, save the bucks and buy an airport extreme and, and let the Drobo continue to handle that backup. But uh, yeah, yeah I, we, I use it and the, I've been very happy. The show she was, um, she was referring to was the show where you're talking about our gear and the, the the unique thing, we both talked about the external hard drives we use, but that was the one connected to our machines. In both our cases, we're using networked Drobos that are plugged into our Ethernet cords in our wherever our, our um, time capsules or our routers are at. It wasn't near my computer, so I didn't mention it, but I've been using the network Drobo for a long time, too. And like you... Um, even, you know, they are back as a sponsor. That's not the reason why we're talking about it, because we've been using it the whole time. And it, it works great. I, I love having networked storage. It's just a great way to put stuff. So when I'm working on projects, I've got data that I really use often on those, and they're available for any computer on my network. It's even helpful for just moving stuff over to my kids' computers as I'm fixing them or doing troubleshooting. Right? I yeah, right. Except I don't. I, I've got it moving stuff between my two computers, I guess, which is why I yeah. went with the network attached one. Yeah, it's really nice uh, when you've got multiple computers. It's always difficult getting stuff from one place to the next. Like even just like a funny family video, I may put on there so people can get access to it. Yeah. Uh, what what else we got here? You want to do one more? Yeah, yeah. We got an email from from Brian. And we were talking about one of the problems in our Apple TV show is that when you're streaming content from iTunes to an Apple TV, that you've got to have a Mac running iTunes on, you know, that iTunes has to be on and running on a Mac in order for Apple TV to see your content. And, yeah, that's that's kind of why I ultimately went out and bought a Mac Mini. I use it for so many other things, but that was really one of the original reasons why I went out and did it is because I needed a machine that had iTunes on and running all the time. And Brian pointed us to this app called File Browser by Stratosphinx. And what you do is you use this to access the system on your computer, but more importantly, on a NAS drive, is it can connect to NAS drives. So what you do is you can now airplay movies from your NAS drive 
to your Apple TV using your iPhone and your iPad. And he likes it better than Plex. Um, so that's that's one option. So basically, this this cuts out the TV, the uh, excuse me, the Mac in the middle. I actually one of the cool things about the Drobo 5N is it's got a, a Plex is is one of the apps that you can download for it or that comes with it, and I guess you can install on it. And I've been using Plex on my Drobo, and that's pretty cool because I can use Plex both in my house and out of my house, out on my network, to get access to all of my content. And I just set up Plex and um, set up the shares to be the same shares as my iTunes shares. You know, so I point the movie folder to the movie folder, the yeah. TV show to the TV show folder. Um, and that's that's really cool because I can either, you know, airplay it to my Apple TV and my house or at somebody else's house. Yeah. It's well, I want to check out Brian's app, though. I want to see how this works. I just haven't got there yet. Yeah. And that's called File Browser by Stratosphere. Okay. Yeah. Well, Katie, I think we've we've done it. We've uh, covered iOS 7, some of the cool features of the new operating system, and some of our favorite updated apps. If you've got one we missed, let us know, and we'll put it in feedback for a new show. And in the meantime, Katie, where can you find us? Well, you can find links to everything we talked about in this episode, and that's going to be a lot of apps, um, at our website, MacPowerUsers.com, or at 5x5.tv slash MPU slash 158 for this episode. You can also send us email to feedback at MacPowerUsers or find us on Twitter uh, at MacPowerUsers. Katie's at Katie Floyd, and I'm at Max Barkey. And I guess that'll about wrap us up for tonight, so we will see you all next time. Bye.